When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So today's episode, we're going to talk about what it's like to be the child of a sex therapist. I have with me today my son, Reed Watson, who is also a sex therapist now. And we're going to talk about our relationship growing up and what it's like to be working with his mother in the field of sex therapy. And maybe even what it's like working with her son in the field of sex therapy. Indeed. Hello again, and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. So, Reed, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is really neat talking with you. Tell us, um, tell everybody, what was it like growing up with a sex therapist as a mother? I know people always ask me, what do your children think of this? What does your mother think of this? By the way, my mother is a little embarrassed, but my children? Well, for me at least, I think that it was normal for the one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It was all you had. It was all I had, so (laughs) it wasn't really that uh, different, I think, than some of the other jobs my friend's parents had. I think it did change the way we see sex and the way we were taught about it um, and maybe the way we discuss it just as a family Mm -hmm. uh, in general, kind of our our ideas about it. I think that the general opinion of people is that, you know, if you're raised by a sex therapist, wow, you're going to know so much about sex and your parents are going to be really loose as they talk about it and free and uninhibited. And was that your experience in our home? (laughs) Uh, Well, I would not say that it was utterly free and uninhibited. I do believe that we had an open conversation. I think Mm -hmm. that it was open. It was prioritized. Mm -hmm. You had a specific set of... um, You wanted to educate us about sex, and I don't think everyone's parents do that, obviously. Right. So that was different. Yeah, I I think that's very true, that I did, you know, want it to be open, and I wanted to tell you guys as you grew up, I wanted it to be a continuous conversation you know, something that was natural and normal. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember you, the first time I remember you asking about sex. Uh-huh. You were about four or five, and there was a woman that was pregnant. And I think you already knew that babies were made with the daddy sperm and the mommy egg. And uh-huh. you were like, I know, mommy, but how does the daddy sperm get to the mommy egg? <laughs> <laughs> and then I told you about the pieces that fit together like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And you were, you know, that's it. That was the, that was one conversation done. Yeah. I, I remember we had a book. Um, it was like a very, it was pastel. 
illustrated in pastels, very huh. sort of like um even it, sex therapists have books for their children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was it was very vague, obviously. Uh, yeah. Child appropriate. Yeah, yeah, right. But um but I do remember that and I think that's where it started and yeah, maybe at that point I had I wanted a little more information, yeah. <laughs> um, or I thought I did, because it sounds like I kind of clammed up after you, after you said that. <laughs> Maybe so. How did your friends and community react to the fact that your mom was a sex therapist? Well, when I was younger, it was a little bit different. I think that, you know, that movie, Sex Education, or that show that came out on Netflix, it wasn't really anything like that. I wasn't in the bathroom stall giving advice to people. Uh, but <laughs> I think, we, yeah, blessedly. <laughs> but I think that we definitely, it was in the conversation. We knew that it, we knew what it was and we knew that this was happening. I think it was a little bit, uh, it was only later really that my friends really wanted to know more and about relationships and, and we're coming to you for advice or for to yeah. us or, or main, mainly to you. Really. Yeah, definitely I became the go-to person for some of your friends in high school. Yeah. I mean, they confided in me and things like that. I think my favorite story from from being a child is when my fifth grade science teacher, I think we were talking about it. I don't rem- I remember exactly. I think it was exactly. career day. Oh, I think it was career day. Yeah. And you, uh, we had been talking about you, but I think this was like the next day or something. And she said like, well, what if I wanted to get in contact with your mother <laughs> or something like that? And I like immediately whipped out a business card for, for oh, Awakenings no. and was like, or at the Loving Living Center at that point and said, hey, here you go. I have something right here for you. And Did you carry my cards? I, I don't think I carried them all the time. I think I just had them that uh-huh. time. Maybe leftover from career day or something. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, that is so, but I, yeah. I think my most embarrassing moment was, well, a couple things like, there was a school play that you were in in junior high. Oh, I remember that. And, yeah. and they were really doing what I thought was age-inappropriate metaphors and scenes. Like they were talking about, yeah, my brother is using coke in the backyard. I'm like, what? These are junior high kids. I mean, I, I was just appalled. And I remember calling around some of the mothers talking to them. And I said, you know, I'm Lori Watson. They're like, yeah, we know who you are. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> that and and then when your um, first girlfriend, we didn't really allow you to go on alone dates. I think we were, it was all chaperone and she was like 14. Yeah. And I remember coming over and- So uh, was I, by yeah, the way. Yeah, you were 14 too. And she was talking with me, the mother. And she's like, so what do you do? <laughs> And I'm like, oh, no, I do not want to tell this woman what I do. I'm a relationship therapist. I'm a psychotherapist, Uh which is actually how I introduce myself most of the time to people. I don't don't offer up, if they don't know who I am, that I'm a sex therapist. I just say I'm a psychotherapist. Right, which is true, of course. Yeah, I think it, it, I don't know why I do that. I think it's just kind of too titillating. People are, you know, there's shock value in it. Every once in a while, (laughs) it's a fun Well, I enjoyed the shock value as a kid, that's (laughs) That's what I'm saying. You did. I, I would be like, oh, yeah, my mom's a sex therapist. <laughs> you got like, street wow. cred <laughs> when you were a teenager. I don't think teenager. we knew what that meant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, left to their imagination, unfortunately, probably. Right, yeah. So how do you feel like having had a sex therapist as a mom impacted your own relationships? And Well, I think that we definitely – the lessons that we learned as a family, the lessons that were passed down uh, by you and dad both were definitely very relational and caring and, and things like that, you know, which which probably does is not sex specific. Mm-hmm. I think that when, when I first was becoming sexual for the first time, this was several years later from that other story, 
that basically I think we were more planned and prepared than a lot of kids are. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of kids, they just get into it and it's sort of a surprise and it's mm-hmm. an oh my God moment. What are we going to do? What, what just happened? Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I knew what was happening. Mm-hmm. I understood that part and I understood. You were more conscious. I was more conscious of some of it. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, intentional. That's a good word. Um, but I don't think it didn't mean that it was completely absent of complications. Mm-hmm. But so you were still, I'm sure, what anxious and yeah. And I think there was there's the classic. I think a lot of times the way sex is portrayed in the media, well, is wrong in so many ways. But the way that it's portrayed for teenagers in the media is a really special night, and you're really happy, and or. It went really terribly, and you got pregnant, and now what are you going to do? Oh, my God. Uh-huh. And I think that the reality is somewhat in between a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and so that that was certainly the case for me, that we were like, oh, man, was that, that you know, we were prepared and we were safe, but was that a great idea? I don't know. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Still conflict and at that point in your life and your relationship, whether or not it was going to add to you and create something between the two of you that was good or maybe not. I, sure. I, I certainly remember when I realized <laughs> you had become uh, fully sexual. Oh, yeah. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we still have a debate about this. And this was, um, I had, I, I guess, you know, this was a, at a point in your life where you were staying out without a curfew, as far as I remember, you were driving. Yeah. The, I or think you were, like I don't know, senior in college or something like that. Co- yeah. Junior, no, junior in high school. Junior in high school. Yeah. Okay. And I had woken up in the morning and there was this blue, on our hardwood floor, a blue wrapped Uh condom. Yeah. And I just remember- An unopened condom. An unopened condom. And I remember going, okay, so uh, I guess this is an announcement, you know, because who loses (laughs) their condom out of their pocket? Um, But I remember putting it on the counter and- Dad and I kind of were sitting at the kitchen table when you came down and went, oh, whoa, <laughs> there's the condom, <laughs> you know. And then we wanted to have a conversation, which you thought we were totally overreacting. Well, I, yeah, I guess we do disagree. I mean, this is sort of the sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, I guess, that I, I was <laughs> it wasn't like an Easter egg hunt where I was planting condoms around <laughs> for y'all to find. Uh, it was more of a, you know, they sell condoms in those long connected packages. I, no. I don't know. You know, so I think it was just one fell out. So that's funny that you used the word announcement, um, which I, I guess it was inadvertently, I think, on my part. Yeah. And, you know, I think like any parent, I had a lot of anxiety about you becoming fully sexual. I, I, sure. I think I thought you were too young. I think I expressed that. And you were like, I can't believe this you know I thought you'd be understanding or something right yeah my hope for you as a sex therapist there coming through which I mean I think now I look back and I definitely understand your apprehension and Mm -hmm. when I think about I don't have kids yet but when I think about a 16 17 18 year old having sex for the first time that does seem a little uh, stressful yeah sex is so powerful and, and I think it's so powerful relationally I didn't know that you were ready. I mean, obviously, you're ready when you think you're ready. Um, right. Or no one's going to you know, stop you when you think you're ready. Yeah. No one's going to stop you when you think you're ready. But, I mean, I would say that even after that, we had we got through that. And yeah. then we had more, as I recall, more fairly open conversations about it. Yeah. I think, I mean, it sort of reminds me of those parents 
that deal – parents deal with a lot of things. They deal with drinking. They deal with drugs. They deal with sex. And I think one of the things is how do we make sure that it's going to happen safely because you didn't – there are dangers for mm-hmm. teenagers to have sex in the ways that they do in movies and TV and, yeah. and the ways that are passed down culturally. Yeah, and I mean obviously there's the overt danger, right, STDs and pregnancy. But I think I, I didn't really worry about that with you guys. I knew that you would protect yourselves and protect the woman. But I think I had a lot of concerns about you relationally. Like, were you going to be able to integrate this in a positive way so that you felt good about yourself and that the young woman felt good about herself? And it added, to me, um, sex is supposed to add to connection and love and care, and it you know needs to be done respectfully. And I, I knew, I always knew that my boys would be respectful. I've never questioned that ever but I it was more like are you my kid you know ready is she going to treat this with confidence and keep it between the two of you and you know I I just I had all kinds of concerns and I probably didn't say it perfectly if that's reassuring to all you parents out there even somebody who thinks about it day in and day out I don't think I did it perfectly well it's different when it actually happens yeah there's a dress rehearsal thinking about it planning (laughs) and then on opening night I think it's a little different (laughs) right okay well let's come back I'd love to hear how uh, the experience as a child of a sex therapist impacted your own career absolutely So just a quick word about our couples intensives that both me and Lori offer. Oftentimes, healing in relationships, it just takes more than the average 50-minute session every week over several months of time. Couples intensive therapy offers an alternative to that. It happens over a weekend, typically 12 to 16 hours, somewhere in there, that really helps to calm high-conflict situations, build more healthy patterns of communication, and really, it's a jump start to change, right, Lori? Like, it can be something that can really catapult you into change a little bit quicker than the average once a week type of therapy situation. I think so. And people ask me, what does it look like? What do you do? And usually for me, I do a three-day itinerary. The first day is basically coming to why did they come at this point in their relationship? What is their current functioning? And then often maybe that's a Friday night, Saturday morning, we start talking about what is the dynamic? Where's the toxic cycle? And then we look at their family of origin. And I would say by Saturday afternoon, that's the time that we start to really dig into how do you stop the toxic cycle? And maybe if the problem is over sexual difficulties, there's an assignment and a discussion about what that will be. And they usually complete that assignment in their hotel room all by themselves. You know, we don't do any of that, you know, supervision of that. But we then the next morning debrief that and talk about you know how the assignment went there is often time at this point because of the amount of hours that we've spent together to perhaps process one trauma from the past as well so you know it's a really intensive way of working it's my favorite way to work and you know i'm reducing kind of my weekly caseload at this point so this is where i'm directing my efforts in clinical work Right. You also get a post-intensive action plan to take home with you to follow up. We plan how you can continue this work for you. But we'd be happy to talk to you more about if you feel like an intensive is right for you, whether it'd be good to work with me or with Lori. So give us an email at info at foreplayradiosextherapy.com. 
Okay, I'd like to also invite all of you to our retreat in Asheville, Love and Sex 360. We are doing a second retreat in Asheville, North Carolina in the fall of, I think it's the weekend of November 15th. And you actually arrive for a cocktail party on Thursday and then we go through Sunday. We have broken out the options so that it's more affordable for some of you. You can take just the classes and do the homework or you can combine, as we did our first time, the classes and private counseling with one of the teachers who is myself, Dr. Adam Matthews, Shelley Hummel, or Carol Cullens, who are really reputable therapists. And actually, Reed, you too, now as a sex therapist, you do intensives at Awakenings, don't you, over the weekend? Yeah, definitely, which is an opportunity for people that can't come on a sort of the more traditional schedule to still get the care they need, I would say. Right. So, okay, you you decided to go into sex therapy. How did that happen? And tell me everything. Sure. I think there's probably two really important phases of that decision. Mm. Uh, The first being, I would say, I was always planning on doing something with therapy. I did psychology in undergrad, and then I sort of waffled around for a couple years. And it wasn't until later that I really decided, okay, I want to follow in the, the footsteps, your footsteps, and become a therapist. And then when I was in school... I really found myself drawn to the couple's clients, um, Mm -hmm. and I think that that, for me, really cemented the fact that that's what I wanted to do moving on, especially the sex sex therapy side of things, too. Yeah. You know, it's funny because, for me, my first passion was working with couples and marriage, and really, it um, was—I did a premarital class, and the couples came back after that. The young couples came back for sex therapy, and I'm like, oh, mosh. You know, I got to work on this and help these uh, young people with it. But also, you know, the sex therapy brought in the couples work. It was kind of both. And I I find couples work so exciting. You know, just it's fast. It moves fast. Yeah. That's my experience. In some ways, I think it's difficult, more difficult, sometimes more difficult than individual, but also with a lot more power than some Mm -hmm. sometimes you find with individual, too. Yeah, right. Like an individual can say they can tell their side of the story. Right. And it's it's hard to challenge that because you don't have the other side of the story. But when their partner goes, well, it really wasn't like that. You you have leverage and chemistry right there in the room. I think that's why, for me, couples therapy is exciting. But we're talking about you. Sure. Um, so I know you did an internship elsewhere and you've been supervised by other people because obviously it's it's not ethical for me to supervise you though you do sit in group soup with me right I participate but not under your supervision right sure. and but you've worked here at awakenings and you know primarily what comes in is couples and sex therapy so then you found that you wanted to do this now you have completed in your your sex therapy courses could you talk a little bit about that sure so Basically, there's a lot of coursework that goes into being a certified sex therapist. I'm still in the process of my supervision there. Mm -hmm. And when that's complete, then I apply for the full certified sex therapist Mm -hmm. or the sex therapist certification. Yeah. Yeah. And you Um, did that at the University of Michigan, right? Yeah, which was a great program. I really want to pub them. They they had a really great program and it was a, a great, wonderful experience. That's good. And then we, just for the record, we are actually developing a program in North Carolina for sex certification that will be under my direction. 
and uh, you will be credentialed here in North Carolina as a sex therapist, which credentialing anywhere basically covers you in terms of your uh, legal liabilities, you know, should you ever decide to practice this way. And I think many people both want to learn and they also want to cover themselves. And and so we'll be opening that probably in a year's time, just for the record. So what is it like, you know, just working with me as a sex therapist, as your mom, director of the clinic? How does that, does that ever feel weird or... Well, I think it's less weird than people imagine, for one thing. Mm -hmm. I do think that in any family, there are power struggles and difficulties that come up. No, not ours. (laughs) (laughs) Except if you're a sex therapist. (laughs) Then that's that's right up the window. (laughs) Right. Uh, No, but I think that we handle them fairly well. I think that part of the development for me has been how do you handle it and how do you make sure that you're – being direct and being assertive and all of those personal growth types of goals. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the big things that I've learned is, yeah, that I, um, you know, how do I relate to you? How do I relate to a boss in general? Mm -hmm. And then also, yeah, it's complicated by the, by By the relation. Yeah. By the relationship Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. I think less probably for us, it's less complicated because it surrounds sex therapy than it is just working together as mother, son, yeah. boss, employee. I mean, I think for me, those are the more complicated dynamics. I love what you bring to our center. I feel like you bring, uh, first of all, you're only, our only male clinician at this point, and you bring a great male perspective. And secondly, I feel like you, you know, are really wise for your years in terms of understanding the dynamics of sex therapy, which is so critical, you know. I mean, I think we could fix people in an afternoon sexually if they would just do what we said. (laughs) Right. That's the hard part, getting them to believe. Well, and I think the hardest type of sex therapy, the most difficult cases are the ones where you, you know what they're supposed to do. But right. then it's getting them, convincing them that that's the right case and overcoming objections. Yeah, but I would say for us, the difficult part, if we were working at a landscaping company or something like that, we'd have the yeah. same problems. Right. The, the thing that isn't weird that I think people believe might be weird is just talking to one of your parents about sex. And I think particularly talking to your opposite you sex know, opposite sex parent, you know, uh-huh. that I'm a man and you're a woman and that's weird. If I were... Your daughter, I think sometimes I hear people saying that might be less weird. Yeah, I I also honestly believe that there's a little bit of sexism in the way it's viewed that as a female, I'm ahead of the clinic. I think if I were male and you were my daughter, somehow or another, I, I don't think people would think that was as weird. I don't know why, but that that's my own impression that yeah, there's some that. bias that says as the female in the lead role there's something weirder about that. Um, yeah, that somehow, and I think that this comes back to sort of the Freudian, you know, what does it mean that your mother is the center mm-hmm. director? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, we don't actually see each other all that much. That's, that's true. That's the reality. <laughs> I, I see you for three minutes in the break room, just like I see someone, you know, the other coworkers here, and then, yeah. then we're back off to our individual sessions. But you know what they say, if it's not one thing, it's your mother. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. Your mother is the root of many d- issues in life. For me, it's not a Freudian slip. Like, my <laughs> boss is really, uh, I mean, my mom, I mean, my boss, uh, no, it, it is actually both. <laughs> yeah, that 
is so funny. Okay, when you talk about other people's sex lives, what are the difficulties? Like, what is the most difficult kind of issue that you encounter? Well, I think one of the things is everyone thinks their problems are exceptional and Mm -hmm. unique. Mm -hmm. And really, and I say this to clients a lot, actually, the dynamics that they get into predominantly often fall into pursuer and distancer or pursue withdraw or Mm -hmm. multiple different names for that. Right. And I'll say, hey, you know, I'm sorry, this is actually in a textbook. I mean, I could show you the textbook. It's at, it's at I home. I know, I know. Um, and, and so I think that that, I'm not trying to do that to make them feel less than, just trying to say, this is pretty common, and we've done this a lot of times. And there's a path out. Yeah, there's definitely, and I think that this the path out always feels really simple when you're describing it, and always feels really difficult for the clients to actually do. That is so true. I. I I so agree that, you know, much of therapy is finding the pattern so that people can see that, you know, okay, if it's worked for other people, maybe it'll work for us. I I think it's really difficult, you know, when you're a pursuer and you hear your therapist say, you know, essentially quit begging. Mm -hmm. Um, They're like, if I don't hammer at home, I ain't never going to have sex. Right. You know, and so it feels like what we're telling them is you should not have needs. You, you know, should just give up on you your needs. You should just give up on your needs. And when you are speaking to the withdrawer or the distancer and you're like, no, you need to actually speak up. And sometimes speaking up is conflictual and you have to offer you know, yourself here, you have to nurture. Your, your partner is, the reason they're so angry is they're begging you to pay attention to them. You know, it's just it's like, no, they're scary. I, I don't want to go toward that, you know? Yeah. I think it really, one of the techniques we use, one of the techniques of EFT is enactments. And I think it always, the first thing before we have the couple say it differently is like, I'll say to one, okay, and if they had said, and I really try to get into their partner's shoes, but really try to shape it and translate it in such a mm-hmm. way that it comes across, and I, you know, really lay it on, and, and if they, and Every time they say, well, if you just said it that way. Right, right. If you just said it that way, I'd totally If my partner had said it that way, I would have been responsive. Right, and it's like, well, but the words themselves aren't magic. We're trying to teach a difference in the pattern. Yeah, and you're modeling for them. And usually their partner perks up and says, yeah, exactly. I I would have responded to that. Yeah. You know, so you're you're demonstrating that they can get soft, they can get receptive to it, and and that's I I think the problem with sex is really most sexual issues are bound up in this difficulty of people not stating simply what they want, what they need, who they are. Uh, it gets wrapped up in this toxic pattern, this toxic dance, and. I mean, sex therapy in some ways to me is not that much different than any other kind of couple's work. I mean, if they're arguing about money or over how to deal with their children, it's chores, the same chores. Like oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, yeah chores. The chores. Yeah. Uh. the chores. Yeah, same thing. And for yourself, I think one of the things I've observed is that with all three boys, I would have predicted your pattern in life in terms of which side of the dynamic you were on. I would have seen you for sure as an uber pursuer had I predicted that. But is that... Yeah, unfortunately, (laughs) sometimes it doesn't happen the way we see it. And even even as yourself, even a sex therapist, a relational Mm -hmm. expert, seeing that 
um, you might not not predict it the way it's actually going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, okay, thank you so much for being with us, and thank you for working at my center. <laughs> I love you, son. <laughs> I love you, mom slash boss. <laughs> okay, uh, my mom, the sex therapist, and my son, the sex therapist. Thanks for listening. You can now call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. Hey, help us stay on top here at 4Play. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor.